This episode of the Cinema Vention Podcast is brought to you by Rotting Wonk, RozJ001, Jack Wolf, and Wearmall 3. If you want to become one of the names listed, go support the show today at patreon.com slash wscottis1. Hi, I'm wscottis1, and I have not seen the movie Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Increasing his cultural IQ, one movie at a time. This is Cinemavention. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Cinemavention podcast, where we review and discuss classic movies that I should have seen long ago. Today, we'll be discussing the movie Close Encounters of the Third Kind, which my guest has seen before. He is a regular Diamond Club game night contributor. Please welcome back to the show, Brian Cawford. Uh, BK, hey! welcome back to the show once again, man. How are you doing? This, this is a bit of a surprise, but hey, I'm back. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. I And I appreciate you uh, coming on uh, for this particular movie because I got to tell you, man, it was uh, it was rough finding a guest for this uh, particular movie. Oh, we can get into that later. Yeah, and I think I know why. (laughs) So, uh, so yeah, so I appreciate you, uh, especially coming on to talk about this movie with me. So, yeah, yeah, no problem. Absolutely. So, let's go over the uh, stats of this movie real quick before we get too far into things. So, Close Encounters of the Third Kind is available for rent or purchase on DVD and Blu ray in physical stores and on all major internet distributors. It is not, however, available to stream on a streaming service that you pay a monthly subscription for in the U.S. And I had to say it like that because uh, Brian will admonish me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I pointed that out. I'm sorry. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind was released by Columbia Pictures on November 16th, 1977. The movie was directed by Steven Spielberg and stars Richard Dreyfuss, Terry Garr, Melinda Dillon, Fran French. Francis is that Francois Francois thank you Francois. well actually it's French so it's Francois Francois yeah right because because the French love not pronouncing half their words yeah but yeah Francois Truffet Truffaut and Bob Truffaut is Again, it Truffaut? yeah only only half the words yeah it's only half the words but uh yeah and Bob Balabin uh, the I movie- don't even know who that is <laughs> I don't know either the movie had a budget of $19.4 million and made $306.9 million in the theaters. So, Brian, I know that you had mentioned during the watch party that this was your third time seeing this movie. The yes. second time it, you saw it was accidentally because you didn't realize we were doing a watch party. Yeah, no, no. It, it's it's interesting in that I know distinctly that that, that was the, exactly the third time I'd watched it because the first time I watched it, I think I was like eight and it was my parents watching it. And this was right around the time that maybe we'd gotten some HBO, but I don't remember there being commercials. So they probably rented it from Blockbuster. Mmm, who remembers Blockbuster being a thing? Yeah. <laughs> and they they, and, they went uh, on to make uh they want to went on to be a great valuable company that's still operating today, right? Uh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so but that is uh my parents did have a uh, when cable was available in 81 and all the stuff. I remember that happening, but this I do recall vaguely 
having watched this movie with no commercials. And the only way to do that at the time would have been to have it on your fucking VHS player is because if you tried to watch it in cable, it would have had commercials at the time. So I, I'm not entirely, but almost certain that my parents had rented it when I watched it and I was young and impressionable. And I remembered the good points of the movie and mm-hmm. over the years had completely forgotten everything else about this movie. So. Yeah. Is it fair to say that this movie uh, didn't really age well? Because in my yes. mind, I don't think this movie aged well. <laughs> that is fair to say. Yeah. Because here's the reason why I say this is because I'm seeing a lot of similarities between this film and 2001 A Space Odyssey. Oh, you don't and, say. Yeah. And here's my thing about those two movies, right? I'm beginning to think that a lot of these older movies, like, you know, we're talking, you know, you know, 1950s, 1960s, 1970s, around that time. I feel like a lot of those older movies, I'm slowly realizing, were just made for spectacle and don't mm-hmm. really have any plot at all. Like these directors like Stanley Kubrick, Steven Spielberg, you know. You know, yep. they're just trying to make money or, or, or they're just trying to. Well, they are trying to make money, but that's not what I was the point I was making. But uh, but they're just making movies for the show of it. Almost. It seems like right. Like and I suppose if you like that in a film, then then fair enough, I guess. But I think I'm realizing that I want a movie that at least has some plot. This does not have a whole lot of plot as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, no, and, and, and you're very astute on this. Um, at the time, uh, a lot of the reason to go to the theater is to see something that you couldn't otherwise see. And this movie is sort of the epitome of uh, special effects porn Yeah, uh, for the time, uh, given that it was released in 77. Same year, by the way, that Star Wars came out. Same week, yeah. in fact, actually, we found out. Um, and, yeah. And in uh, fact, there was a bet between um, George Lucas and Steven Spielberg recently, or, or, or uh, at the time, I should say, as yeah. to what film would uh, would win in terms of the box office wars. And obviously, yeah. Star Wars and, won, of course. Yeah. Right? And and so, so these movies were designed specifically to watch in theaters and, mm-hmm. and these days it's it's gotten very contentious is is you've got these directors like well fuck you you just watch in theaters and just otherwise screw you and it's like yeah but that's not how anything works these days so you designing something specifically the theaters so, but back in 1977 designing something to be a spectacular thing that you yeah. should watch in theaters no, that was absolutely how you did stuff. So yeah. at the and time, yeah, and at the time, this movie makes sense. And yeah, and and we've talked about this before, and and I very I very uh, distinctly recall having that exact conversation with Tom Merritt when we talked about Casablanca because Casablanca yeah. was very much meant to be um, uh, a movie that was designed that way. It just so mm-hmm. happens that it was such a good movie for the time that it could sort of transcended what movies were supposed to be at that time, you know? So, and, um, yeah. And this, this falls into that is, is for people at the time, uh, there was a a lot of really fun stuff that happens in this movie. That was like, Oh my God, it's mind blowing. Right. But you, you go, what is this? 40 years later. And all of a sudden it's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Like it's not (laughs) like it's yeah. Well, and, and that's the thing, like, cause, cause here's the thing, right? Like, 
the practical effects that they were doing, like, sure, were revolutionary at the time. Right? Oh, yes, absolutely. And yeah, the, and, the and special no one can deny effects that. this movie yeah. were goddamn amazing for the time. Yeah. However, these days we look at we look at those practical effects and we're like, what 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 the hell is this? You know, well, like, and honestly, and honestly, out of all the complaints I have. Sorry, I mentioned that I have complaints. That's fair. Uh, the special effects aren't one of them. Yeah, uh, they're really I still not. Think, yeah. I still think the special effects are great in this movie. Yeah, no, I, I can agree with that. Absolutely. Yep. Um, and, uh, and, and it's interesting because, Brian, you compared this movie to Avatar The Way of the Water and more specifically just Avatar movies in general. Yes, right? uh, especially because I haven't seen I haven't seen the second one. But uh, I did see the first one, and when I saw it, the the main reason I saw it was because I understood that uh, they had employed some technology to mm-hmm. make 3D, do the 3D stuff. Because it's always a thing I have a problem is that traditionally at that point when the first one came out, uh, most 3D movies were animated because they could just render it twice and do the proper 3D thing. Yeah, uh, A lot of actual live-action 3D movies they didn't actually film in 3D. They filmed it with a single camera and then made up the 3D after the fact. Uh, Avatar was one of the first movies where they were bothered to actually take two cameras and put them stereoscopically appropriate for a yeah. human face apart, which that was and, that was hard to do. Yeah. And also, on top of that, he made sure they were IMAX cameras because... Yeah. And, and, mo- and most and most of the and most of the um and most of the people that I've talked to that you know that that talk about this Avatar movie, uh, even the, the newest one and the original one, right? Mm-hmm. Like they all are telling me that like you know the story is really not that you know mm-hmm. like there's not really that much plot or story in terms of this movie, and so and it's one of those weird edge cases where you kind of actually want to see it in theaters as opposed to on demand yep. because of the fact that you're not really getting the full effect of the movie because the point is not really the story. It's more the fancy, cool, you know, effects that they can do. Right. And so, yep. and, 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 and in many respects, um, I also compared it to 2001, a space odyssey in that regard as well. Yes. For me, for me, like 2001, a space odyssey was just a movie spectacle and that's all it really was. There was no real plot mm-hmm. or or, or point to this movie. I mean, there was like, I, but largely by, by and large, 2001, a space odyssey was, was kind of a spectacle, especially towards the very end, which is something that this movie, uh, which um, between 2001, a space odyssey and close encounters share is that in the last like 30 minutes of the film, I think there's a total of maybe like 10 lines in the whole yep. what, 30 minutes last 30 minutes of the movie something like that yeah and 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 that's absolutely exactly the thing is uh it's designed to be a thing that was watched in theaters you watch it at home you what if you try to watch this movie on your phone you'd be like why why yeah. did they do this but imagine watching this film on a fucking 40 meter and screen and all that stuff and at the time when a lot of the special effects that they used in this film were essentially unheard of uh it's not the first to employ any of the specific 
special effects that they use that I know, but they did an excellent job of using them. And if you went and watched it in theaters, yeah, when it was released, um, at the time, given the context, uh, yeah, no, this was a goddamn amazing movie to watch. Yeah, mm-hmm. just to show but, you, but yeah, but it was, but it was the porn movie of special effects at the yeah, time, where sure. where it was literally, yeah. You're there for the special effects and the plot doesn't matter. Exactly. Yeah. Just to show you how much lack of plot there is in this movie, I can summarize this entire movie in one sentence. And here it goes. One electrician worker investigates a UFO sighting, but the government is stopping him from doing so and trying to hide it. There, yeah. That's it. That, yeah. I was thinking of other sentences, but that one works. That yeah. works great. No, and, 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 and I'm, am I missing certain um, certain elements of the story? Sure, but overall, I I don't think you can deny oh, that I'm uh, that every every element of the story essentially um, falls back to that. Yeah, just boils that, down to that one sentence. That yeah. is the that is the plot, and everything else is just special effects. Right, but more specifically, uh, to go into more detail, um, you have the electrician, of course who is trying mm-hmm. to fix the power that's gone out as a result of the UFOs and, and also who apparently can't read a map either. Uh, <laughs> and it's also very hazardous on the road. I, I have an entire section dedicated uh, to, uh, to Roy later on in the show, <laughs> but, uh, but he's scraping the railing on the road. And towards the end, when he's taking the shortcut in the fields, he's just busting mm-hmm. through those fences like that. Right? Like, but then they run into an actual serious barricade and that's what makes them get out of their car and just go at it on foot. You know, like it's <laughs> Yeah, he has he has no regard for the proper operation of a motor vehicle. It is massively disturbing throughout the fucking movie. And hey, uh I appreciate that his wife got upset at him at one point and left. Uh I'm surprised she didn't do so earlier because he literally doesn't know how to drive. Right. <laughs> it just and somehow he has a job at at, at an at an electrician. Well, it was, or, like, and it was a thing when we were doing the watch part. I was pointing out he's an electrician and he's in Indiana and he thing is like he's starting from point A and he wants to get to point B. Even if he can't read a map, can't he just follow the fucking power lines? Yeah, just, just the power. Have you driven through Indiana? I do this all the driving up to Wisconsin. There's power lines right into that. I just follow the fucking power. Yeah. Just follow the power lines. Do your job. You work for the power company. Yeah. Follow the power lines. Yeah. For, yeah. For someone who deals with power lines. Yeah. You would think that someone would be able to read a map. Yeah. This, this um, isn't like it's like there's not heavily forests or large mountains. No. In Indiana, you can see the power lines for miles. Yep. You really can. Speaking of uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey, um, at the very end, uh, when they're at Devil's Tower, that dome that's at Devil's Tower looks very similar to uh, the dome sort of thing that's on that one planet in 2001 A Space Odyssey. I forget. Oh, the was, end. It, yeah, I forget exactly what the setting was. It, for it, that, was, but... it was a moon. And the, and the reason that is, is they right. had a set and it was a rather large set. And they did bother to set up a camera far away to give you a sense of scale. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they did the same thing in 2001 because Kubrick, goddamn genius, rest in peace. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to take that set and establish the context, what they had to do is put a matte painting around it. 
Mm-hmm. And so if you look at the way they had framed that, they they did it in exactly the same way. They did. They did the moon base in 2001. Like, like to the point where I was saying in the watch party, if you put the two images side by side, it might be hard to figure out which one is which. Right. And it, and and also similar in that regard, too. It also, you know, involves space looking objects that, that are um, just floating around, you know. It's, yeah. yeah. So, and, and, and I can give them a massive pass on that one because otherwise yeah. uh, that was that was a standard uh, special effects tactic at the time. Oh, sure. Uh, mm-hmm. This movie does a bunch of other stuff that was not typical for the time. So yeah. when they when you get into the alien spaceships flying around, all that stuff, that was a lot of work to make that stuff mm-hmm. work. And that was totally not standard. But yes, the matte painting around a, a long shot of an established set. Yeah. No, y- you'd seen this before. Yeah. In 2001. Mm-hmm. They did the exact same thing. Absolutely. So yeah. uh so uh we go from the very end of the movie back to the very beginning. And mm-hmm. uh, that very first uh scene where they are going through this basically sandstorm um cue the uh cue the song from that one artist memes now i know what you're i know you're doing it but yeah. um <laughs> but the nineteen but the nineteen forty five planes that they uh get at the very beginning they're basically just using that i i thought this was where it was being set up at was this like you know like sand area or whatever turns out not really that was just where the planes happened to be and i just now made this connection um you know because i at first i i when we while we were watching the movie it didn't click in my brain but i realized after the fact i'm like wait a second those planes are the first ones to encounter the ufo at the very beginning of the movie why they didn't want to report a ufo is beyond me i guess that was it was just too much paperwork i i don't know oh. <laughs> oh wait i was all the way up to but no uh, that next scene where they're at the actual uh totally different planes yeah sorry oh is so it I, different I, planes oh because because what they were showing at the time was a modern traffic control center from the 70s oh, okay but those planes were from the 40s so sure. what we're talking what we're talking about is sort of a Bermuda Triangle situation. Is oh, interesting. Stuff okay. got lost in the 40s and then magically showed back up in the 70s. So to be clear, what was happening was no, these planes look brand new because they were built in the 40s. And shows up in the desert lost. in the 70s. Yeah. They- and they even go through all the trouble. They get the engine numbers off of it to correlate. Okay, which specific planes were these? And then there's the one guy on the wing measuring the fuel levels because they're correlating these people who got lost back in the 40s. When did they get lost and how much fuel would have they have used before yeah. they got lost? And now they're back and well, they don't explicitly say it, but but they come back with, oh, he's measuring the fuel. And yes, this is the amount of fuel they would have had left if they were flying this distance from a place and then got lost. Yep. And so, yeah, no, the, these are so literally they, so people. They're, so, they're, so those planes on air traffic control, they're just random planes. Oh no, the air traffic control is a whole separate thing. Oh, so, all right. Yeah. yeah so, so it's just random. So planes. the opening, okay. the opening scene is planes that got lost in the forties have magically showed up where they shouldn't have. 
somewhere in a desert that is associated with the French. I can only is, assume yeah, but, Northern Africa because there's bits of Northern then, Africa then, where then, then here's another French. thing. Then here's another thing then, and we'll get to this a little bit later. Like that is such a non sequitur thing then because it's like it's not like they're addressed later on in the movie. Like that's the only time it's happened. No, like, no, no, I no, guess no. it's it, just there to introduce those characters, I guess. Uh, part of it is an introduction of characters because, yes, uh, the two main characters is the person who is a cartographer that speaks French and the French guy mm-hmm. uh, show up repeatedly throughout the rest of the film. Uh, right. But also it's to point out that, hey, some random planes showed up in a place they have no business being. Uh, those planes were thousands of miles away from where those planes were lost. And they yeah. just ended up in a random desert. And I'm only assuming that, hey, uh, I'm going to have to look this up. Uh they were in a desert that was Spanish speaking. So I'm assuming it's right. Northern Africa where they Probably. found these planes. Yeah. Yeah. And that is a massive assumption on my part. For sure. But I, what, what, uh, what does what, it matter? Yeah. Probably not. No, not really. But, uh, but one, one thing I will give them credit for was that transition from the dust storm to the air traffic control scene. I will give them credit. That was actually pretty cool. I did, I did like that a lot. So, that was uh, that was one of my favorite parts. So let's talk about Barry here. Barry, mm. uh, he uh, the, is this three year old kid, but he has some pretty irresponsible parents, man. Uh, mm. Because the parents lose him in the forest when when Barry is going after the UFO, because of course he's going to go after it because of the bright lights and everything. Because he's you know because he's three years old, right? That's that's what you do, right? But he yeah. also gets he also later gets abducted by the UFO and has gone for nearly half of the movie as a result. And he's one of the uh, he's one of the uh, people that comes off of the uh, UFO that got abducted, essentially. Spoilers. But yeah. yeah, yeah well, yeah. yeah. But of course, this all stems from the fact that, you know, because because this UFO is making everything go crazy, like his toys are going off on their own because of that. And everything falls out of the fridge because of it. And, yeah. uh, and yeah, and I was like, that, that, that is I, quite the best. Uh, I had the impression that, uh, one of the aliens actually ransacked the fridge. If you looked at it was went into mm. the fridge, opened everything up, dumped it on the floor. was like, Oh, what is this? And like probably sniffed everything. And then went it, because, because if you saw it, it sort of trailed off to the dog door and then went out of the house oh. uh, the path of destruction. So I think that I think an actual alien showed up and ransacked their fridge. Interesting. Um, yeah. Also the toys. Uh, it was an interesting thing. Uh, hey, if you're younger, nothing against you. If you're younger uh, in the seventies, toys didn't do that shit. They made noise and they would go forward and backwards. That was it. Right. Yeah. Uh, and these was- toys did shit that at the time, toys didn't do it so at the time if you watch this movie you would see what those toys were doing and you would lose your mind because that's mm-hmm. not how toys work yeah so that there's that yeah I, that was a pretty funny line too when he just yelled ice cream when the ufo goes past them I, that was, that well, was it, great oh and it was referenced later where uh dreyfus even tried to describe one of the ufos as an ice cream cone and then realized later was like no nah, it wasn't really because if you watch it None of them look like an ice cream cone, <laughs> but if we're talking five-year-old kid, my it it was conical, and that was probably his closest experience to a conical shape thing. Yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah, because one of them 
was distinctly more angular than the others. The others were more friendly looking. Yeah, yeah. And here's and here's what I'll say about uh, this movie because um because this is why we're covering this on this show, and I think it, this is kind of my main thing about this is that there certainly can be a case um that can be made that this movie basically defined every UFO interaction in every other in every other form of media that you, that followed it that you see now. And um and I and I know people are sick of me bringing up Fortnite as a reference to everything. I'm sorry, but it's just the game that I enjoy playing. But if you'll recall, um, Brian, because I believe you were playing during this time with us, the Alien season. Do you recall? Uh, do you recall that season? Uh, vaguely, yeah, vaguely, yeah. But 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 you're not wrong. It, yeah. Is let's put it this way: is is this movie did establish uh, anything that anybody ever talks about alien interactions these days uh is almost entirely based on stuff that happens in this movie yeah the the random lights in the sky and all that stuff and yep. i being very young when this movie came out i don't know how ufos were explained before this but everything i hear about ufos after this is all based on is, this. is right. like oh because- you you watch this movie that, yeah, because even, be even, yeah, because even like in in the alien season, it's like in the opening cinematic, you have people being beamed up in these blue light looking yeah. things, just like it's the light, just like the kid, yeah. right? Exactly. Um, yeah, and you just got random lights shining over things and all. Yeah, and you have and so, yeah, you have yeah. everything rattling, just like that. Uh, you know, just like the truck or like just like the mailboxes. And and so and so it's one of those things is is watching this movie these days. Maybe the movie's not so great, but there's a lot of stuff that is introduced as a trope during this movie. Right. Lots of people just ran with. Right. As far as if you're going to interact with aliens, this is what it looks like. Also, hilariously, I do believe this led into a lot of if you're looking at the blue book reports or whatever they're called these days of hey alien uh reports of oh i saw a ufo and i interacted with aliens more and more of them are basically people describing things that were in this movie yeah absolutely <laughs> they were literally in this movie yeah for sure uh, and well and that's yeah. why i make the, and that's why i'm making that case right because yeah because arguably if you don't have this movie then yeah then alien interactions don't are not or this yeah. is not how they work in every other form of media post yeah. this and movie. so for so. decades basically every interaction uh with aliens uh was described in correlation with the way it works in this movie yep and, absolutely and i think before this movie came out yeah there might have been descriptions of ufos and all that stuff but i think this movie solidified that in people's brains and for the next couple of decades Anytime you talked about aliens, it was even inadvertently in context of this movie. Yep. Specific. Absolutely. So I want to talk about the fact that there are so many non sequiturs in this movie and, <sighs> and there are so many of them. And I'm going to start with this one during the scene where um, the electrician, we talked about it earlier, where Roy mm. almost runs into Barry on the, on the, when he's walking in the middle of the road. Mm-hmm. There's this random whistler just hanging out there whistling some tunes. I mean, fair enough, mm-hmm. right? Like he's he's a good mm-hmm. whistler and everything, right? Oh yeah. And the only reason that he's even introduced as a character is because he has one line 
during that Air Force press conference and mentions that he's seen book big Bigfoot. Yeah, that's it. Like, and here's yeah. the thing. It's not like Bigfoot came up later on in the movie or anything. It's just nope. he, he just mentioned, oh, by the way, I've seen Bigfoot. Like, yeah, I'm sorry. No. I'm sorry. But what exactly was the point of this character's role? I don't understand. Uh, as near as I can tell is, oh, yeah, no, he's experienced it to some phenomenon. And I, I guess if you look at it backwards, maybe that says, oh, in this timeline, there's some Bigfoot. But I think what it does actually is more correlate to when all the people who were exposed to the UFOs show up to the Air Force briefing and try to explain their side of it. Uh, he just completely undermines everything right. by bringing up a completely unrelated uh, phenomena that has no correlation whatsoever to the thing. And right. so now, now the Air Force, instead of trying to ex- understand what people are saying, just looks at us and goes, oh, these are just a bunch of fucking weirdos. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's, that's, that's it. And, um, but generally speaking, I'd be like, oh, yeah, no, you're screwing everything up. But in the context of the movie, uh, it does lead into later stuff that happens in the movie where the government and military and the UN are just untrusting of the general populace because right. you do have a significant number of people who are just willing to believe whatever. And this is one of those guys. He, right. he believes something that has nothing to do with anything that's going on, but by context, tangentially, oh, this other thing happened. So yeah, sure, it's all right, right? Right, no, that, sure. That's that's not how logic works. Yeah, that's not how that works. Right. And so yeah. he literally undermines the entire concept of these yeah. people who had a legitimate experience. I get. I guess by that, even mentioning Bigfoot. Yeah, and I guess that maybe that's why uh, the government's so secretive about this is because he made that one comment, which it's like at that point well, not, it's like why would that derail everything? Like it, it's it well, derails not, the story so much. Well, not not specifically, but the government. I mean, the government in general is always going to take a conservative approach to this. Oh, sort sure, of thing. sure. Mm-hmm. And, and him coming out and going, "Oh, yeah, I saw the aliens and also Bigfoot." Uh, the government's just going to take that as evidence of, "Oh, we should just discount all of their opinions," right? Based yeah. on this one guy. Yeah. So that guy completely undermined everything. Yeah, and I and, and, I, think, and I still don't. And understand. I think weirdly. Yeah. I think weirdly, without that guy, uh, actually, the last half of the movie doesn't make sense. Because if it wasn't for that one guy making the government even more concerned about the general populace. Right. Exactly. They might have handled it differently. Yeah, exactly. I guess I guess the weirdo nut Bigfoot conspiracy theorist uh, makes the rest of the plot happen somehow. (laughs) Which is crazy, right? Because. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That's that's wild to me. This isn't yeah. really much of a uh, this isn't really much of a, a non sequitur as much as it's like just like a a thing for me. I mean, it, and it kind of goes off of what we were just talking about because the government has to evacuate the entire state of Wyoming just because the government <laughs> needs to have the illusion that the aliens are dangerous, even though seemingly they know what they're doing because it doesn't seem like this is the first time. They've done this before with the aliens, right? Well, 
So, uh, so here's the thing. Uh, they're very clear. It's 300 square miles of Wyoming. Okay. Uh, they get the, they get the coordinates, uh, through a, a thing. They get the coordinates saying, Oh, here's the latitude and longitude. Uh, how the aliens know how latitude and longitude work is up to the viewers, uh, interest. Uh, and they determined it's going to be here. And I think basically what they did is, well, we want to prevent the general populace from seeing the event occur. And they extrapolated from that specific point out and determined due to the fact that we aren't flat earthers and there's a coverage of the earth is if you extrapolate it out that circle to, oh, you can't see this particular place is 300 square miles now we have to evacuate that 300 square miles so right. nobody else sees what's happening because for some weird reason and the, hmm, the government the government and also the un uh who has been heavily involved in this apparently for quite some time apparently if you're, if you're right yeah mm-hmm. yeah uh, apparently the existence of aliens is a thing we can't abs, we absolutely can't let anybody know. Right. And yeah. so, so, so yeah, it's, uh, they know the specific point where the aliens are going to show up. And so and they just they, evacuate everyone that's in that area. They evacuate yeah. the entire area that could see that point. And right. it turns out because- to be 300. 300- uh, square miles. Right. Yeah. Because, because, the, yeah. And, and the excuse that they use is like, oh, because the aliens are using a toxic nerve gas and the aliens are oh, dropping no, no, no. it. And that's why. Like- oh, no, okay. Okay. Now you're making some try. No, is the aliens advertise that they're going to show up at this specific point? That was a thing sure, earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The radio signal said, hey, here's some latitude and some longitude. Uh, it took our, yeah, uh, not actually and, and- a translator guy to figure that one out. Sure. Um, sure. But once they did, they were like, oh, but for some reason, we can't trust the general populace with an experience with aliens. So we're going to monopolize on this situation. And they wanted to get everybody out of the area that was anywhere near that, which meant they had to get everybody away from that monument. So they to had to come up where they couldn't see so they it. They had to come up with an excuse. And they had to come up with an excuse. And there was there's an entire scene about that where they're like, what kind of excuse can we have? Is like, and it's we could do this, we could do this, and they just decided on toxic nerve gas being yes. And at the, the end of the day, they they ran with toxic nerve gas from the military, and right. and there was a bit where people were raiding against the military for well, why are we? And that was actually part of the Walter Conkright uh, thing that mm-hmm. was yeah that part Walter of the Cronkite actual line, ABC yeah. thing was. Why are we letting the military get away with their stuff if they're doing these things? It it was very appropriate, right? Well, and because because here's the thing, like because here's the so, thing, yeah. they di- they discover that right, but before that, like they discovered that all they're doing, like because we and it's funny because you made this comment during the watch party, uh, Brian, about the uh, mm-hmm. about the animals and everything and how they've yeah. oh they're they've actually dropped oh, dead. They're dead. Yeah, oh, they're dead. you presume that that's what happened. But no, was, they're literally just using sleeping gas on them to make all the animals yep. appear like they're dead. When yep. in reality, they're just sleeping on the side of the road like that. Oh, right? yeah. No, and they're very clear. Why, that they, why even on, the ranchers yeah. were like, oh, God, we're upset. They yeah. make well, it mentioned in the movie. Why, why the ranchers are upset. Yeah. Why they're uh, why they're past their guardrails. I'm not entirely certain. But oh, no, it's, that, it, it, 
it, it, it's a story is is you're trying to present a story oh sure is, sure, sure, sure. is, is nerve gas and the nerve gas is going to kill you and and so it's it's layers of approach is the initial one is if you got some honest goodness just law-abiding person people and they see a barrier that says oh the road's closed you know what they're going to do they're, they're going to obey gonna turn, and turn around they're going to turn around and go away but you got some people who are going to ignore that and go, what is it really? And they're going to go on their way. And this Roy, is where it comes and Roy into is the, one of them. Yeah. Well, Roy, let's not include Roy in this particular scenario because he is influenced by fucking aliens. So, but the general populace uh, is the same thing. It was, is you go to that train station where the guys selling fucking pigeons to, which they did get with those pigeons. Right. Going, hey, if you, if you want to make sure you have it, even that guy thought it was a thing and he was um, he was just monopolizing on the situation but he was like oh yeah no it's, it's the canary in the coal mine situation right. well, i'm going to yeah. say you something that will die before you will so you know that you should get the hell out of there and all that stuff yeah. and, and and that was the general idea right and well cuz and and that's that was the funny part too is that like yeah they're they're totally lying about the toxic nerve gas to the point where they send the evacuees away with gas masks on and the whole nine yards. Yep. And the moment they take off, they immediately take theirs off. Like it's, and it's yep. so full of shit. Like, yeah, yeah. no. And it, and it comes back to security theater. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I know it's been a while, but Hey, nine 11 mm-hmm. fucking security theater is just when you go to the airport, and they go through a screening process to allow you onto a plane. Ninety percent of that is bullshit, and this movie explains exactly why. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> is is they put some barriers up, going, "Hey, please don't." And then you get past that, and they're like, "No, seriously, don't." And then once you get past, because keep in mind the dead, the dead livestock was past the uh, K barriers with the razor wire. Mm-hmm. They had to get past the more serious barrier to even get to the part where they were pretending that all the livestock had died. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this is multiple layers of pretending and all that stuff. And it, uh, I didn't mean to turn it into this, but that's kind of how your airport security works. It's the same yeah. idea. Well, and, is, uh, and yeah. And speaking of the gas masks, by the way, mm-hmm. you had an issue, Brian, with how they were even wearing the gas masks in the first place, as, right? As an individual who uh, is uh, was in the Air Force at one point and, and uh, served in the Air Force uh, during the time that 9-11 actually happened, which mm-hmm. is hilarity. Afterwards, uh, even though I was at a test base out in the fucking middle of nowhere, California called Edwards. Uh, they got serious about some stuff and some of that seriousness was training us on uh, gas stuff, nerve gas and all that stuff, uh, stuff that normally you would, they would only train you if you went overseas on mm-hmm. uh, after nine 11, they're like, Oh wait, maybe some of our state size people uh, might need some of this training. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so there was, there, there was a week there where I, uh, a couple of days where I got a gas mask and, and I have, I literally have, and this is one of the things that I was griping about. I have what are called gas mask inserts. So you'll notice I have corrective lenses, right? Mm-hmm. The air force literally issued me corrective lenses that were designed to be worn 
while you're wearing a gas mask. A gas mask, yeah. Which you'll notice the colonel in this movie does not use. Mm-hmm. And also, um, it, yeah. there was a there was a lady who had uh, hers on, and her hair was getting in, uh, was getting yeah, into the which, mask and which, impeding it, right? Which was the other thing I was going to gripe at is when when you're taught how to use a gas mask, is made very clear that any sort of hair in will compromise the seal between the gas mask and your face. Sure. So if you're wearing it and your hair is on the inside, that's that's letting air through wherever your hair is at you don't have a good seal which is yeah which is actually one of the reasons in the military it's discouraged is is you're allowed to have a mustache but not a beard mm. it's it's actually literally one of the reasons is because guess what you can't actually wear a gas mask properly with a beard yeah you can't well, but and, a mustache you can because it seals around the parts that you don't have facial hair on. Right. Well, and 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 it it didn't end up mattering anyway because there wasn't toxic gas in the air in the first place anyway. Oh, hey. Still. Hey. And <laughs> but it's nice to uh, but it's nice to correct the record on that for sure. Yeah, but but yes, uh, if you're in a situation where you do need a gas mask, you need to make sure that none of your hair is in the seal. And yeah, if you got a beard and you need a gas mask. You're fucked. It's yeah. just straight up. You're fucked. Yeah. You T -I -T -I can't. T -I -L. You can't <laughs> wear a gas mask and have a beard at the same time. Yeah. T I L T I L. So, uh, so I I mentioned it earlier. The entire last thirty minutes of the film, where there's barely any dialogue. This is the part where there's the most non sequiturs in this one because it reminded me a lot of the end of two thousand one, A Space Odyssey, where. Basically, there's no point to the ending of the story at all. And it's so weird to me because, first of all, they are playing the same like notes that they got from India where they point up to the source of their singing as being the sky, right? And those same five tunes are, you know, of course, then played by a French music class. And even Barry is playing it on his little toy xylophone as well. But those same five tones over and over again were just being used to try and communicate to the aliens. And I loved your analogy during the watch party. Presumably, it's basically the equivalent of them just saying, hello, hi, <laughs> all over the place again. <laughs> yeah. Just over and over again, right? No, and it, and it gets really weird because uh, especially considering the technology of the 70s, uh, it's it's not just that they're just like, hello, 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 because they, they've been told what hello is. Right, and it starts with the the whole India scene, where they're like, "Okay, well, here's where we learned what hello is," and they're saying hello. But they, yes, at the at the denouement of the movie, they just keep saying hello, 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 over and, and then, over. And, and what really just blows my mind is then the mothership, and I, it's clearly a mothership. Uh, when the mothership starts responding with its own tones. It comes back, and then all of a sudden they're like, you can hear the people going, "Okay, well, it responded with this, so we're going to repeat that back." And it it sort of implied that essentially the guy playing the keyboard was just sort of playing back everything he heard, <laughs> right? That that's the way. If you listen to the dialogue, that's how it works. But if right. you listen to the actual audio, that's totally not what's going on. I, I get very confused. Yeah, and then and then a, a few seconds later, all of a sudden. All of a sudden, without any prompting whatsoever, some guy in a booth goes, 
oh yeah, our translator has kicked in. Uh, we're taking over right now. Where the fuck did they get this translator from? And 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 in, in, in yeah. the context of the movie, what, how does did he you know not know this speak? For what you base this entire translation off of? Five, how did the nineteen seventies technology? No, that doesn't happen. Right. Uh, even in twenty twenty three. I'd be like, oh, we got Chad GBT. It can make a good guess, but it still <laughs> doesn't have any fucking clue what those aliens are saying. Right. So, yeah, when that happens, it's like, oh, we're taking control of the conversation. Everything happens faster. It's like, what conversation? How how does any yep. of this know what any of this is? Yeah, I, yeah. And, and you previous to this knew one word. Hello. Right. And that's it. Yeah. <sighs> but so, it, but, and that's not even like the craziest part for me. The craziest part for me is that the aliens come out of the ship and, you know, that's, that's the thing that happens, right? They introduce themselves, whatever. Yeah. Right. And then yeah. Richard Dreyfus, and then Richard Dreyfus, AKA Roy just boards the UFO for some reason. Oh, and um, then, and then, and then, and then the, and then it just takes off. And then that's the ending of the story. What? Uh, what it is. What ending was that? <laughs> it is. Uh, and and uh, unfortunately, this is where we get into. Apparently, there are, in fact, two versions of this movie. Yeah. You were telling me about that. Yeah. Because when you were watching the movie. And I didn't realize because because yeah. I didn't realize that we were going to do a watch party this evening. So and I thought I was behind. So I went and watched the movie myself mm-hmm. and i went to amazon and was like i ran the movie and then i watched the movie and the movie i watched uh very well explained why roy ended up on that ship and then when we did the watch party uh significant portions of why roy ended up on that ship just, just didn't happen yeah they're just, they're just gone <laughs> it didn't happen uh but Essentially, I, I, and so I guess that is a bit of the difference. Uh, but they were asking him, it was like, at a certain point, the French guy realizes that Roy is unique, mm-hmm. right? That, uh, in, and I'm now interpreting my own stuff on top because in the movie, they don't explain this at all. Okay. But, but my guess is the French guy realizes that essentially out of all the people, because it's already been explained previously that he's like, uh, that that one scene where he was talking about the 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 colonel in the air force is like no these people have been in is at a certain point he realizes no certain people were invited to this event and mm-hmm. Roy's one of them yeah so, absolutely so yeah and, so um, when so when Roy shows up at the place despite them trying to put him to sleep on the mountainside uh, the French guy's like oh but you're here and you're one of the invited. Uh, he kind of realizes that and then he goes over it and, but, but he's been involved all along. This is the whole thing that you have to infer. It's, it's, you have to watch this movie like three times to get all the stuff. Yeah. I'm is, sure, there yeah. was this, there's this international organization that has been dealing with this, the alien stuff uh, because the, the guy who translates the French, he says, Oh, I'm, the American, he was clearly already in from the beginning, the way he describes himself. And the only reason he turned into the translator is because he just happened to know French. But he was already very heavily involved with this whole alien 
thing mm. before the movie even starts. If you're yeah. paying very close attention to with the way they use the dialogue. Sure. Mm-hmm. And at the end, the French guy, you know, is like, once the United States government realized, oh, this stuff's happening in our territory, they decided they wanted to make full control of it. And they, we're going to, we're going to make sure we're going to clear out this area. And then if we're going to knock him out with some knockout gas and all this stuff, that French guy that was really heading the whole thing up, he, that was not his mentality. It just yeah. was. Mm-hmm. So, so once Roy shows up and he recognizes Roy, he's like, no, you, you were invited. He recognizes the aliens invited him there. Mm-hmm. And so, so when you see the people in, and now I'm questioning the difference between the version we just watched, the version I watched earlier. Yeah, right. They lined up a bunch of candidates of people who could go, but they included Roy in it. That's and crazy. the aliens selected Roy, and Roy went on the spaceship. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That <laughs> that is okay. Yeah. It sounds like we should have watched that version because that makes way more sense now that you say that. I might have. I might. It does, and and when we did, the, uh, um, I missed that we were watching a different version than the one I watched earlier. Yeah, because I yes, didn't it makes way more either. sense. Yeah, yeah, and so it turns out it was and, essentially. And, and in my defense, too, it wasn't really clearly stated anywhere. No, Amazon, it, Amazon does not do a great job. Yeah. you go to Amazon, you look for this movie, you get like five results of oh, you can stream this now for the same price, and it makes no differentiation between if there are different versions or what. Yeah, I thought there was only one version. I watched it. I saw stuff that I didn't remember, and it's a thing. I think I was like eight the first time I saw this. Right. But uh-huh. yeah, stuff at the end of the movie happened that I didn't recall when I watched it. And then we watched it as the watch party, and stuff that I saw just it wasn't in this happen. one. That is weird. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, uh, so maybe then, the director's cut's a better option. But Yeah, maybe. It, I don't know. It explains a little more. But here's what's interesting, right? Is that like, cause it kind of puts this into more context now as to why Roy is going crazy over this UFO sighting, sighting because they, they invited him. Right. Yeah. Well, it, and, it well, was because, the thing. Cause at first it seems like he's going crazy over because we already mentioned, yep. of course, the crazy driving he's doing to try and follow the UFO. Oh, that, I, that has nothing to do with it. That is insufferable. I can't stand that. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Because, yeah. because even even but, even if aliens have compelled you to get to a certain part of the country, you can still obey fucking driving laws yeah. and well, he avoid up, barriers. Right. You, well, you he don't w- have to wreck your car to get to Wyoming. You don't have yeah, to. Yeah, well, because he wakes up his wife and kids and and the, you know, and they're go they're going to chasing after it, right? Crossing into Ohio to to follow it, mind you. Because which is weird because the movie is definitely oh. set supposed to be set in Indiana, but they it was definitely filmed in Alabama. Oh no, he starts in Indiana. Credits. Okay, so so the first experience was he started in Indiana. Um, encounter occurred, and then the aliens went off, and then he ended up going the same direction as the police, and then he went in through the turnpike over to Ohio into Ohio. Yeah, but where he actually encountered the aliens was a mountainside. In Indiana originally. That's why the kid Mm -hmm. that's why the kid could walk there. Oh yeah, for sure. And then when he goes back and wakes up his family and goes back, even though he had followed the aliens into Ohio, 
He goes back, wakes up his family, and drives them back to that certain point in Indiana. Yeah. Why? I don't understand. The aliens left. Yeah. Not to not to Why? mention not to mention yeah. the fact that he has an unpaid Ohio uh, toll, right? <laughs> oh yeah, but uh, hey, we don't even have the technology for take the thing. But the, yeah, I guess so. Uh, these days, though, yeah, if you try to go to that turnpike, you're getting paid. Oh, you're gonna pay. Yeah, for that you're gonna trip, pay. So. It. Yeah, but but yeah, but. After he follows the aliens into Ohio and they disappear, he goes back home, wakes up his entire family, and drives them back to a point in Indiana where yeah. he previously saw that. I don't understand that. Yeah. No, that's yeah, and and, and they and, left. And, he saw them leave. Why do they come also, back? Also, it's then, interesting that they're making Indiana slash Ohio, or, or they're making Alabama look like Indiana. We named the dog Ohio. Indiana. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, so. help, help me help me understand this because I might have forgot how this happened. But Roy, but Roy gets sunburned at one point as a result of all of this. Yeah, um, no, it's, and what's uh, funny is that only half of his face is sunburned. Right. Yeah. No. No. It's um. So when that happens, it, it, it's um, it it's almost one of those things that if you're not paying attention, you'll miss it the first time you watch it. Okay. Um. What's happening is he's in the company truck, right? And he's driving along, and he's stopping the railroad crossing, and he's consulting his maps, and then the UFO happens, right? And it was kind of a joke because previously he had already tried to wave somebody by. And and you did catch it, and I'm happy you caught it. That instead of the lights going around him, the lights went over him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but when they did, and he started catching on, like, "Hey, this isn't right." And he looks out the side. He looks out the side of the truck, and he looks up, and he sees the ship, and then it flashes a light at him very briefly. Right, which is the famous but, blue light that I'm talking about that's famous with every alien. Well, this one wasn't thing. even a blue light, but it was a very bright sure, light. Sure, sure. And if you're looking idea, at it, yeah. he's hanging out. The, and I know this isn't a visual podcast, but uh, he's hanging outside of the truck, and the truck is right here. And he's looking up the alien spaceship. So when that light happens that actually gives him the sunburn, the top of the truck protects the other half of his face. Oh. But at the same time, he also had his arm out of the window, which uh-huh. is why only half, because the bottom side of his arm doesn't get exposed. It's just the top side of his arm and the left side of his face okay. because, of, because he's looking up at the spaceship, but he's looking up at it through the, pat, the driver's side of the truck. So Got his it. entire head isn't exposed. Got it. Okay, that makes sense yep. then. Okay, yeah. Well, and and it eventually, it, it sounds like it eventually just wears off um, after a while too. So, well, that's uh, because that's because the movie um, does a very poor job of, of uh, maintaining explaining it. how much time has it has passed. Oh, so, okay, imagine yeah. you get a sunburn. How long does it take for you to recover from a sunburn to the point where yeah, right? Nobody knows you have a sunburn. We're talking like three to four weeks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, a couple, yeah. And mm-hmm. so there's some there's some time that passes in this movie, but they're not very clear on how much time that yeah. is, is starting off. They're like, oh, that was last night, but then like three weeks happens. Yeah. And so so yeah. So when his wife leaves, uh, this isn't just, oh, he did the one thing. No, his wife has been putting up with this for like three to four weeks. 
Yeah, right. Before, Absolutely. And then he and, just and, goes fucking nuts. Right, which culminates. And yeah, and I, and I'm going to get to that. Yeah, it culminates into the famous mashed potatoes scene. when uh, yes. the, And I think this is the point where, you know, Roy's character kind of like the tone shifts a lot with this character, mm-hmm. right? And here's the thing about this this particular scene. I hadn't even seen the scene before. I just knew about the mashed potatoes scene just because of um, just how prevalent, I guess, it is in culture, right? Before we even watched this movie, before I had even seen the scene, I knew that there was a mashed potatoes scene coming up. And, you know, and it's and and that's kind of like the most iconic scene of the whole film is when he makes that model of Devil's Tower out of his mashed potatoes. I mean, hungry for some mashed potatoes, not going to lie. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mashed potatoes are great, especially yeah. if you include some skins, unlike they did. Uh, I like mine yeah, a little see, bit lumpy. I, 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 see, I like And theirs are clearly not lumpy, but yeah. uh, also I find it hilarious that that's the iconic scene is him yeah. making the thing out of mashed potatoes. But that's not actually the thing. The thing that is iconic, in my opinion, is mm-hmm. when he goes and full-on sculpts the thing yeah full side in living room but everybody everybody always goes back to the mashed potatoes where it was like his second attempt at the process right yeah well yeah well we're getting ahead a little bit we're getting ahead a little bit but uh, yeah but yeah so i appreciate that everybody equates the match and and uh even before i rewatched this movie i had my brain that he made this like massive sculpture out of mashed potatoes yeah which but he, no, that's, yeah, that's, that's not, not that's not what the not massive what mash, uh, that's not what the massive. It was it was just a slight right. improvement over his shaving cream attempt. Right, that true, you true. wouldn't even have noticed but, previously. But uh, but yeah, and, and on the note of mashed potatoes, I I, I prefer I tend to like them um, uh, the way that they had them in the movie. You know, take your pick. Right. Complete side yeah. note, by the way, uh, Bob e- Bob Evans, by the way, has the best mashed potatoes of any restaurant. Hands down, yeah, un- and, I, and I challenge I challenge anyone to disagree with me on that. It's not even close. Unfortunately, there's no Bob Evans near Chicago. Yeah, yeah. Well, when we go to Turtle Days, I know there was a Bob Evans at uh in Indiana where well, we were. There at. we go. We need to we need to take we need to go to Bob Evans for lunch one day when we're at Turtle yes, Days. I wholeheartedly agree. Yeah, absolutely. But also, um, the funny part of that scene too is like I love how the rest of the family are all just looking at him, like because <laughs> he brings he does this big helping of mashed potatoes to sculpt it, right? And yeah. they're just and they all just look at him like, dude, we wanted some mashed potatoes too, man. What are you doing? <laughs> like, quit hogging well, them. <laughs> uh, the the most notable thing I found about that scene was the dramatic overuse of dioptics. Mm. Uh, and if you don't know what those are, you wouldn't even have noticed it. Yeah. Uh, but they they simultaneously had Dreyfus and his kid in focus at the same time. But his kid was at the end of the table and he was at the middle of the table. Yeah. You, you, you can't do that with a normal camera. You need a dioptic to get the dual focus at a time and and if you if you're paying attention the background was so nondescript you couldn't see the bit that blurred between the two it right was, it's it's excellent cinematography right it's, and it's um, got to have amazing cinematography yeah but um, was it but, necessary i don't think so yeah well <laughs> but uh but yeah but you mentioned it earlier uh you know he when he this is the part where he really goes insane Oh um, yeah, no, it's yeah, and he because he needs to make an even more realistic model of Devil's Tower 
to a certain degree, like make it like yeah. almost, I, I wouldn't say life size, but pretty close to, I mean, it's as big as this uh, damn best, house, I guess. Uh, best you can do with the constraint supplied. Exactly. Yeah. And so he goes outside and starts digging up dirt and all the plants and everything that are in their backyard. And then just starts chucking it inside his house, like just a bunch of dirt. Mm -hmm. He's just chucking inside the house. Not only that, but he takes a garbage can and is fighting over the garbage man because, you know, they're about to take it into the dump truck. I mean, convenient timing that they just happen to show up then, I guess. But yeah. he's fighting with the with the garbage man um, about, you know, and the garbage man eventually just gives up. But then Roy takes the garbage can and just goes boom, <laughs> just it just throws the garbage on the ground like what why that is not necessary like you're, yeah. you're just making so, more work for the poor garbage work uh, garbage worker <laughs> yeah so so as near as i can tell is that was an example of um the alien essentially he'd been infused with an alien suggestion of some kind and that sort of points yeah. out how much that su suggestion from the aliens was overriding his critical thought processes so right. so i'm i'm gonna give roy a pass okay this, all is, right is every time he acts irrationally i think that's the aliens yeah fault. but well because well because yeah and, and but where he's but yeah where he's, on the other side there are a lot of people in this movie that weren't influenced by the aliens that were also hacked irrationally. yeah well and, but before so, we get to that point before we get to that point yeah. i i just want to finish this out with like some of the insane stuff because it's so insane because he then takes that garbage can mm -hmm. throws it in the house with the dirt with some of the trash mm -hmm. that follows its way in too mm -hmm. not only that but he's quite literally stealing his neighbor's chicken wires as well <laughs> but it wasn't chicken wire it was some sort of weird metal fencing that or yeah had fencing ducks or in it. whatever yeah because chicken chicken wire is a hexagonal but they, but they called it yeah but that was weird because they definitely called it chicken wire which was weird oh, uh, also it's it's not it's even weirder than that because they call it chicken wire and he steals the stuff that is not chicken wire and he drags it to his house but if you're paying attention later he was using actual chicken wire i have no fucking clue where he got it from <laughs> yeah I, I did I did love the fact that the neighbor attempted to use um her blow dryer as a weapon. Uh, no, I it was it was, was early it was earlier when he had the model. You know the bit where he's like grabbing the model and he's like, and then the top comes off and then you, it, like he has an epiphany. Oh, if you look right, under yeah. that, under that was actual chicken wire. Mm -hmm. There was actual chicken wire there. And then they mentioned chicken wire, and then he goes and takes stuff that isn't even chicken wire, and they call it chicken. I, what <laughs> yeah i don't know but uh the, the the other part that was frustrating for me as a viewer watching this movie is when there's a news report on the tv about devil's tower and he keeps looking away right when they show um devil's tower on the tv and he doesn't notice the oh, resemblance to the dirt no, that's, called, just that's called that's called drama no, I know, I know, but like, I was just like, just look at that, the TV, man. Just look at out, it. Look at it. <laughs> out of out of all the problems I have with this movie, uh, that is not one of them. No, I know. The, it's, a, it's a minor. The, it's a minor. The thing, whole but. thing where, um, if you're paying attention, and 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 this is the thing. Hey, Renigo, uh, Renigo, who apparently when he watched this earlier is the first time he's ever watched this movie, uh, saw the topological map that they were using earlier and identified 
uh, the what would technically be a butte, but he saw on the topological map that there was a thing that went up and had a flat top on it, and it was called Devil's Tower. And it is pointed out earlier in the movie. If you watch very closely for that topological map, Mm -hmm. you'll see it. And Renegade saw it. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. I that was so. That was that's cool. Yeah, um, and that was that was great. But uh, if you hadn't saw that part, the big reveal is when Dreyfus sees the news report and matches it yeah. to his thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And so I, I actually kind of, out of all the things I had out of this movie, that was one of the things I did love was the. Mm. Okay, we're gonna show the thing, and he's gonna look away. He's not gonna see it, and then yeah. it's gone. And then maybe he looks, at the th- and then and then he looks away, and then oh, we're gonna show it again. And then it's like, is he gonna? Is he even gonna? See yeah. it? Because this is back in the days before the internet. He couldn't just even try to Google any. The right. only way he was ever gonna figure that out is if he had seen that on the news. Yeah, and, and so it's a very. It, it's it's very dramatic that part yeah, of that yeah. movie, so, uh, and, yeah, yeah, and and I loved how it was like, oh, they showed it, and then he walks over, and it's gone, yeah, and, yeah. and then he, so and he comes back, and finally he sees it, he's like, oh, <laughs> yeah, so uh, so very, uh, yeah, so we'll we'll wrap up with these final points here. So uh, uh, w- w- the last couple things I wanted to touch on. Were the fact that uh, when the gov- when those government workers, like the when the French uh, French guy was talking to uh, Roy about the UFOs, and and Roy is like, you know, I want to talk to your supervisor. <laughs> it reminded me of a Karen wanting to speak to the manager. Like it gave off those vibes <laughs> for me, which is which was hilarious <laughs> for me. And the other thing that I wanted to mention is uh, it, we touched on it earlier. But Roy and his wife trying to sneak past the government helicopters who are crop dusting more sleeping gas on everything when they're climbing up to to the top of Devil's Tower. And they have an interesting way of hiding behind the rocks, Brian, by which I mean, they're not really hiding behind the rocks, are they? Uh, That's not his wife. Oh, wait, who is that then? Yeah, that's that's the person that he met because he was following the thing and he ended up on that hill where she was only there because he, her kid had run off oh yeah wait a second you're right yeah. so the yeah. person at the end of the movie is not his wife oh so. yeah in my defense they do they do look very similar in my defense they do so, and, yeah and it, and it is one of those problems i have because um i have uh i don't have complete face blindness but i do have a certain it's I, I go look it up. I definitely go do. go definitely go look do. up face blindness. Face blindness. Um, yeah, it it takes me a minute to yeah. recognize people. I, I would uh, say I would say it's uh, it's more pronounced in movies for me, but uh, but yeah. yeah, absolutely. But yes, uh, they had two very blonde characters in this movie, and if you're not paying attention, I understand why you confuse. Yep, them and I definitely <laughs> made that mistake. Yep. All right, man. Uh, All right, man. It's time to give our final ratings of this movie. So, uh, so Brian, did you like the movie? Are you going to give it a thumbs up? No. (laughs) So a thumbs Uh, down for you, huh? Yes. um, It is. Given, given the first time I watched this movie is probably when I was like eight. 
uh, at that time, uh, pretty lights and fancy things and all that stuff. Great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, I've grown into a full grown, fully developed pedant. And this movie <laughs> aggravates me on so many levels mm-hmm. that I can't even describe. We don't have time for this podcast for me to explain all the ways do that not. this movie yeah. aggravates me. And so, yeah, after watch is. No, I I can't like this movie. I'm sorry. It, mm. it, it, as I understand the spectacular, and at the time, I understand why it was probably a financial success. Uh, and even given the context of the difference of times and all that stuff is like, yeah. yeah. And maybe if I go back in time to the 70s, maybe it was in, but watching it now, no. I, yeah. I hate it. It's garbage. The plot is garbage. Uh, the logic, the characters act so massively irrationally yep. is like, I do appreciate one point when his wife leaves with the kids at that point. Yeah, sure. Right. Mm-hmm. Sure. I can understand logic, but up until that point, stuff happens that is so goddamn. Why did he even get fired? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. the, he got fired. Oh, he wasn't answering the radio, but really, really these days. If you didn't answer the radio, uh, would you immediately get fired? I, yeah. yeah, yeah, that was another weird part too. Yeah, uh, but, and uh, then and, yeah. yeah, and then you get into the military guy who doesn't even have his fucking gas mask. Hurts using his gas mask, and people not explaining how to use a gas. Just not, yeah, lots of lots just, of things wrong for you in this movie. Is, yeah, I can so. go on for a long time. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, and if you're just looking for the special effects at the time, at the time when this movie came out, the special sure. effects were spectacular. And so, it was it yeah. was probably a great movie going experience. Yeah, for sure, man. But so, today, today, no, it's yeah, not so a good my, movie. Yeah, so so my final rating, you ready for this one? Yeah, it's going to be a thumbs down, too. But, but my, too, my, it, but my reasoning is very here, 2001. Yeah, but here, yeah, because here's my thing, right? Like, there's no plot. Absolutely no plot. There isn't. Like, there isn't. What, 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 what was I supposed to take the, away the from plot, this film? The plot is aliens. This is alien porn. Yeah. It, it's a porn much. movie, but instead of sex, it's aliens. It's aliens. Yeah. <laughs> and, and even then, even then, uh, they blue ball you for uh, uh, two hours <laughs> yeah, before right? they even give you the here's, aliens. Here's what I will. Here's what I will say, though, is that. I I do still think it was uh, important that we did watch it for cinema vention. Oh yes, that absolutely. part that part I will not. Uh, it's called cul- it's culturally relevant. Yeah, uh, and that's that's a yeah, large so part I'm, of why so we I'm, do so cinema vention. Yeah, so I'm glad we did this episode on this movie, even I'm, though we didn't like it at the end of the day. Uh, so, I yeah. I actually am glad we did this episode because I was like eight. When I saw this, I didn't remember most of this fucking movie. And <laughs> yeah. if it wasn't for you doing this, I would have never rewatched it. Yeah, fair <laughs> and enough. So, so now I can form a more informed opinion of this movie that previously I'm just like, I don't know. Now I know. Absolutely, Thank you, Will. man. I, yeah. I know exactly why this movie is not great. Yeah. And this is a great conversation uh, about this movie. Uh, Brian, tell the people where they can find you online. Uh, generally Discord. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, if you don't know me, I mean, hey, you can email me. If you happen to know my phone number, that's a great thing. And at <laughs> some point, I'm I'm desperately threatening to do this. I will probably stream on Twitch at some point. So yeah, if you don't already know me on Discord, yeah, yeah, you can go to twitch.tv slash covered. So absolutely, yeah, B K O F F O R D. Uh, it's phonetically incorrect. It is, but it's fine. <laughs> I do a watch party for each of the movies that we review on this show. If you want to watch the movie with myself and fellow listeners, you can do so by joining the conversation in our Discord. That's over at discord.cinemavention.com. But if you can't make it to the party, don't you worry, because we have the watch party available to patrons who support this show. It is available on demand exclusively to you. If you support the show at patreon.com slash Scott is one. Don't forget that I am live twice a week playing games with the community on my Twitch over at twitch.tv slash Scott is one. Send in your feedback. Honestly, I do. I want to get some feedback from people who actually do like close encounters. If you enjoyed this movie, send in your email to email at cinemavention.com. I want to, I yes, want to hear, please you weirdos. <laughs> I want, yeah, no, I want to hear uh, your, why you like this movie. If you do like it. And uh, and if you want to see all the previous movies we've covered on this show, head on over to cinemavention.com and click on the subscribe link right there and subscribe to the Cinemavention podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, music has been provided by Kevin McLeod. You can check out his work at incompetech.com. We'll be back next time with our Valentine's Day movie. We're going to be discussing the movie Deadpool with Dolan Bowles. <laughs> How about that for a Valentine's no, Day movie? Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah, that's going to be fun, man. I'm, I'm looking forward to that immensely, and I hope that you are as well. Until then, we'll see you next time. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>